show information packed show for you tonight as usual always come with the greatest information for your minds ladies and gentlemen yesterday was the solstice is a very sacred day and so i spent a lot of the day just reflecting and meditating and, and I thought, I thought, and I looked around and I thought, what has happened? What has happened to our relationship with each other? What has happened to us as a species? How did we get this way? What, what has the last, what has the last three years done to us to make us this way? And ladies and gentlemen, it's important for us to take that back, take back our power. And that power is through union, through a mutual understanding, a mutual respect, a connectedness, an understanding that we're all traversing this human experience together, together. So I want to ask, I want to ask for one thing. I don't usually do this, but well, first of all, if you could just share this link to your friends and family right now, that would be great. Let people know where we are and that we're live. And whether you're listening to the live version of the, or the podcast version, great. I'm charging it with a, a magnetic resonance and you will feel that. But ladies and gentlemen, I haven't asked. Okay, because Christmas is coming up. And what I want to ask is I want you to do something for a total stranger. I want you to do something kind. I want you to go above and beyond for a complete and total stranger. That's not too much to ask, is it? I don't think so. So that's your homework for now. I'm going to end this monologue. I'm going to bring my my guest. We're going to be getting into the paranormal, parapsychological. And my guest tonight, very interesting character, for sure.
the human experience is transcending the astral plane as we hunt demons with my guest, Nathaniel Gillis. Nathaniel Gillis is an author and demonologist. He spent over 20 years researching the phenomena of haunting, possession, and what he calls high strangeness. Nathaniel spent a decade in the deliverance ministry, but then later made the decision to take what he learned and and assert those those teachings into the helping those who needed his help. <laughs> Nathaniel, welcome to HXP. Thank you for having me, and uh, I'm glad to be with you guys. And I'm looking forward to the discussing this this research. I can't I can't wait. Um, I know I know you're a little under the weather, so we will we're going to keep it a little short tonight. And, and ladies and gentlemen, Nathaniel is such a gentleman that he is. You know, he's not feeling that great. He did not cancel. He's not cancel. He wanted to be here for us tonight. So yes, sir. That is that's a, that is the sign of a man who loves his work. Okay, so mm-hmm. Nathaniel, I'm not going to ask you. I, you've done so many of these interviews, um, probably. I mean, hundreds of these interviews at this point. I'm not going to. I'm going to. I'm not going to ask you to tell your story again. Let's just get right to the juice, man. Let's go. Let's get right to. <laughs> let's get right to it. Okay, so. My understanding, my like, uh, my my mentor was a guy named Robert Bruce. He wrote a book called Astral Dynamics. I was fortunate enough to meet him very early on, and and we would talk about, um, you know, demons and stuff like that. And that's something that would come up in conversation. And so, so we, you and I, might have different training, but um, from what I understand, uh, demon comes from a word uh, with the Latin root daemon, which just means lesser god. But 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 for you, what does this word mean, demon? Well, a demon has uh, various meanings and different origins. You know, there's there's what's called a dialectical allomorph in linguistics. Basically, means that you can have three or four different words that have different spellings and different pronunciations, but they all basically have the same meaning. Uh, now, if you were to ask Nathaniel Gillis that, I would I would suggest humbly that. And what we're dealing with in demons are parasitic entities. And uh, they're using laws that we ourselves are ignorant of that we're just now learning. They're using those laws against us. So that's really what inspired me to get into the field without giving my origin story is to try to understand, okay, without defining them by using descriptions, let's just see what their behavioral patterns are. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so then what did you find? Well, when we're dealing with the demigod or the daemon, it's a reference to the, what's called the Atreus epic. It's an Akkadian slash Babylonian origin story of the world. And it speaks of individuals who post-mortem, they became semi-divine. It uses a word called malakuma. And malakuma is a word that we dug up in ritual bowls Mesopotamia, and in other shelf tombs. But that Malakuma became Malakim in Hebrew mythology. And that Malakim became the angel in the New Testament. Mm. So it makes sense. So what's really fascinating about this concept here is that in the Atreus epic, it refers to the ghost of a man. It says that the ghost of a man is made from the flesh of a god. And so one of their hypotheses was that there were some people who died and they became mutated ghosts and then that mutated ghost became a demon. <laughs> and that's just one of the hypotheses out there. Uh, but, you know, we have to look at their behavioral patterns as well and see if that um, holds weight. Okay. Okay. So, so are there different degrees? I mean, some are clearly more powerful than others, right? There are, there are degrees right. of demons, right? Correct. Correct. There is an hierarchy. Uh, currently right now um but i I would say this that uh, while they are all made of the same substance they are not all the same status and so when we're dealing with the substance of consciousness now we're dealing with the constitution of consciousness right that uh that emerges from the dead when they transition into Mm -hmm. the next mention Mm -hmm. uh so my research my research as of late has consisted of trying to understand okay what are our ancestors calling them Right. And, and how has that evolved through history? Mm-hmm. And what are we calling demons today? 
because, and I will suggest to all the scholars out there, including you, uh, it's possible that we're dealing with one phenomenon that's masking itself as demonic in antiquity and alien in modernity. Mm. And if that's possible, then we are dealing with a more malevolent species of darkness than many want to believe. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. I'm so glad you're like a segue artist. That's exactly where I was going to go. Is <laughs> awesome. is the study the study of demonology in in ancient times and and I and I did go through this and look at this and 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 try to find out. So ancient Mesopotamia demons were believed to be evil spirits and uh, or gods that caused harm or chaos. Ancient Egypt uh, demons were of, often depicted as animals or or hybrid. With, with hybrid creatures, with, with animal features, and they were also believed to be malevolent, and they could cause is illness or death. And ancient Greece, Greece, and this is interesting, in ancient Gr Greece, demons were believed to be super, supernatural entities that could influence human affairs, and some were seen as malevolent, while others were seen as helpful or benevolent. And, and it so goes on. It goes on, um, and I won't finish it, but but and you're, you're right. We need to define this in modern times because because when I think of the word demon, I it it, it evokes it evokes a, a not good feeling. I, I don't I don't feel good when I hear the word demon. No, not at all, not at all. Uh, I will say this, you know, uh, it's fascinating to me because when you get into the ancient literature you see a thematic element that evolves and coalesces into a, a very unique understanding of who and what they are. And one of the, uh, the texts that I'm so fascinated is it's called His Wind is Released. His Wind is Released. And uh, prior to, to the Hebrew Bible being written, and I know there are going to be dogmatists that will crucify me for that, but just bear with me. Prior to the Hebrew Bible being written, there were uh, various mythologies that kind of interloped together and found their way into the Hebrew texts. Mm -hmm. And so one of the uh, Phoenician definitions of a demon was a lil spirit, L-I-L. Now, a lil spirit was the Phoenician word for breath, wind, and finally, spirit. But it wasn't some entity that fell from the skies or some Greek, you know, god from Mount Olympus. This was quite literally uh, a, a ghost where, you know, in that particular text it mentions, this is specifically a, a young man was talking to his sister and says that when my, my wind is released, my lil is released, bury my body in this location. So what is the lil spirit? The lil spirit, again, is the evolution or the... Uh, well, the mutation of a deceased person. It's that God ghost that emerges at the moment of death. Mm -hmm. Now that translates, again, this is fascinating too, it translates into this being a Lilith or a Lilith spirit. Now, mm -hmm. when you when you get into Hebrew, if I ramble, just let me know, brother, okay? I typically okay. do that. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, in Hebrew mythology, they took that borrowed loan word Lil and they created Lilith. And right. Lilith was allegedly right. the first wife of, of Adam. And, and however, if you see what, what these beings are doing, you'll see their behavioral foot patterns, their bloody footprints in the snow. They've been doing mm -hmm. the same things. It's just we've been calling them different names. But mm -hmm. Lilith was the ghost that was uh, because she was barren in real life, allegedly, according to the text, that she would go around harvesting seed and then going into a woman as a man, as an incubi spirit, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and inseminating them, and then taking the fetus for rum. Now, that's the legend of Lilith, but what that points to is that there, like I said, it's a common thematic element throughout history, that, that at least some of these were perceived to be consciousness, which right. is, I think, right, where we're all wondering what it is, and that's where we're at. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think it 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 ends the study of the phenomena and and learning and and being at a point where okay, we need more information, more data, and you know maybe one day we'll be at that Star Trek level where we can just just analyze it and and know exactly what's going on and call it out for that. But but right now, I mean, we can't even get modern science to acknowledge these things. And in fact, uh, the phenomena itself is regarded as a stigma that people people refuse to talk about 
their experiences with the otherworldly and you know anything related to that um right so you know okay so Nathaniel, let me let me let me put you in a situation okay let's say let's say that i come up to you and i say nathaniel you know i i'm going through some weird things right now and i don't know what's going on and and i have a feeling i have a really bad feeling um i i think i i might be experiencing some sort of haunting or possession or you know some kind of demon is around what is what are your what are your first steps what do you do in that scenario well it, obviously i mean it, it it depends it really depends on who i'm dealing with in terms of you know is it a husband or a wife you know i want to include both of them in the conversation as a researcher and as a um, an applied uh, demonologist i have to be careful with what i ask outside of you know a family so I would talk to them both if, if she's married or it's, you know, if it's a woman. Uh, but I would specifically look for trauma in the past. Um, I would look for suicidal ideation. And uh, what I used to do, because I'm not, I'm not going into homes currently, I'm more into the research, but I would literally, mm -hmm. I would just pick up on her, their energy. And uh, <laughs> the strangest thing was what happened. You know, I, I would get images. I would get names of people. Mm -hmm. um, I'll go ahead and share an anecdotal story with you all. Uh, but uh, there was a, a gentleman that messaged me years ago. He was out of um, Cincinnati. And uh, obviously, I'm not mentioning names, but uh, he was a young guy. You know, he's maybe about 23. And he says, look, he goes, there are times when something possesses me. And he's like, you know, and he goes, and I start downloading information that I would have never otherwise had. He says, but during that possession, I'm violent. I pick up my mom and I throw her across the room. He's like, I've been to jail before, you know, there, there, there's just something wrong with me. Wow. And I said, well, I said, um, is your mother there? And she, and she was on, I guess it was, I was on speakerphone. She goes, absolutely. What's, you know, what can I help you with? I said, well, I want to ask you a question. I said, you know, I said, it's an hour and a half away from me, you know? And I said, I don't, I don't really, I don't do this for money. <laughs> and I said, if I'm going to pay my own way and my own gas, my own time, I said, the only thing that I would request out of you humbly is that you work with me and you're honest. Mm -hmm. Right. And I said, now, is there a history of suicide in your family? Well, I'll tell you why I asked that question specifically later on. She said, no. I said, all right. I said, uh, thank you for answering. And I said, now, if I come to you guys, will you guys, again, work with me? I said, because I don't want to travel an hour and a half for somebody who's not willing to let this entity go because I have no authority. That entity will mock me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and so she goes, no. And so, so we get into it and just talking deeper and I hang up the phone, and about two days later, I go into a vision, and in this vision, I'm sitting in her house. I've never been in her house, obviously, mm -hmm. um, and I'm sitting on a couch in the living room. There's a light on in the corner of the room. There's a lamp, and all of a sudden, it's the middle of the night, but all of a sudden, I see this male apparition with a black beard walk by me and walk into her room. Mm hmm and then instantly I got the name David. And so I called her back and I said, I, I really, you know, I, I asked you guys very kindly not to lie to me. Mm -hmm. And they were both on, on, I'm on speakerphone again. And they're going, what do you mean, Nathaniel? We didn't lie to you. I said, no. I said, the other day I had a vision and I explained to them what I saw. The kid begins to freak out and he says, that's dad, mom. Mm -hmm. He said, and I, and I said, his name was David. And the mom starts crying and said, yes, it is. I said, okay. I said, he committed suicide. She said, yes. I said, all right. Why am I seeing this? And the son was so stunned, he was almost speechless. But according to his testimony, he said that it was he who witnessed the apparition of his father mm -hmm. one night sitting on the couch. Mm -hmm. And uh, thankfully, I've been able to use tools like that. And obviously, you know, they need help. And I'll help anybody that wants to be helped. Uh, but but don't lie to me. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? Because what yeah. that means is we're starting off on the wrong foot. Right. And uh, demons lie. <laughs> right. And so then, so then are, are you in your process, are you helping the demon become something else or are you helping the demon cross over or no longer be a demon? Um, there was one case that I had, it was a murder case where I'm not saying that because I'm some kind of a detective. <laughs> Somebody on another show told me that he thinks he's a detective. No, uh, but it was a murder case, and um, the entity was a murderer. Mm. And when I did the cleansing, it was like somebody turned the lights off and then turned them turned them back on. 
So <laughs> when that entity left, I cannot tell you what happened to him. I okay. know that he was uh, he was a very very evil man in life, and uh, what he had did is he killed his own daughter. And so <laughs> when I first got there, I got there not knowing what happened. I had no no context, no historical record for it. Mm-hmm. But they called me specifically, not because it was a murder, but because there was paranormal activity happening in the house prior to it. Mm-hmm. So then, so then, if if I'm getting the picture right, so then your your mm-hmm. goal is to help the family as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. You you look for if there are signs of trauma, uh, deep rooted trauma, and then mm-hmm. and if if you can if and and the goal is to to stop the the. The, the paranormal activity from occurring and the demon to go away is that's the, that's the yes goal. yes sir yes sir and in the meantime write notes on its behavioral patterns right how did it lie in what way did it lie what language did it speak you know I I, uh, <laughs> I had a family call me about three years ago now and they're they're uh, friends of my family and forgive me for the anecdotal stories but I have to provide context to what I'm going to tell you before I tell you. No problem, no problem. But but uh, in this particular case, I was sitting outside. This is in the summertime. It's about 2 in the morning, and I was working second shift, just relaxing outside. I get a phone call from a friend of the family, and they said, you need to pray for our daughter. Um, and I'll not mention her name, of course. I said, what's going on? And, she, and the wife said that, uh, well, she's – this is actually during COVID. Forgive mm-hmm. me. So she said, uh, we're at the ER. Mm-hmm. And she's in the hospital room throwing up. She has a just a an abominable pain that abdominal pain rather that is uh, that's reoccurring and we can't stop it. And she said, "Can you pray for her?" And I said, "Well, I pray for her." But now, now this is very interesting too. On the phone call, it was me and it was the stepfather, this girl's stepfather, and it was her real mother. But I immediately go into a trance, and on the left there was an apparition of a man. He had a goatee. He stunk. It was like body odor, and he smelled like cigarettes, so I knew he was a smoker. I immediately told the wife, I said, there's a man here. His name is Dan. And I said, what, I, what I'm being communicated is that uh, your daughter survived an absolutely explosively traumatic experience. And she's been, she's been feeling guilty and shameful and blaming herself. And I said, this entity... Now, for all of those who are going to listen to this, I pray that you'll take this to heart because it will start making more sense to you if you've been through trauma in your life. There are entities that are so strategic that they will cause a traumatic experience to occur mm-hmm. in your life and then use that trauma as a womb to birth something mm-hmm. in your life. And so... I asked them, I said, look, I said, uh, and this, it's another trance. I said, I've never been to your house, but I said, I see a Winnie the Pooh uh, toy sitting on a uh, fireplace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said, I'm on a couch. And I said, there's a, there's, a, there's a rocking chair. I said, now what I would ask you to do is I said, in the name of God, I want you to go and take her by the hand when she gets out, set her on the, 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 uh, the couch. And I want you to simply ask her, has there been something traumatic in your life? that's occurred in that you, you would rather, you want us to talk about it with you, but it's almost like you're, you're feeling silenced by something. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, I always get emotional with this stuff, man. So, and uh, it's okay. they, they set her down and she's just on a balling. She said, she said a few years back, I was at a, a party. She said, it's a kind of college party. And uh, I was really, I really meant to meet with my friend there. But when I, when I got there, nobody was there but people that I didn't know. They were just plain strangers. And she said, and so I get a drink, and I'm just trying to meet new people. She said, I walk up the stairs, and I go to the bathroom. And when I did, a very large man pulled me into the room. And I'm not going to get into the darkness here, but I can. you guys can pick up what I'm putting down here. Right. And she said it was over and over again, and she said she, she didn't tell anybody. Mm. And she said, suddenly... Suddenly, now the nightmare started. And again, we're dealing with the pathology of a demon. Okay. 
the pathology of a demon for this particular entity was that it caused that trauma to occur to her and then it manifested to her in her dreams. And her testimony was the atmosphere, the energy, the masculinity, the rage that I felt in those mm -hmm. nightmares with that entity mm -hmm. was the same embodiment that I felt with that man and that party. Wow. And she broke down and began to bawl. And when she did, she began to, and I don't want to use this in, in a weird way, but she began to share her story with people that were designed to help her heal. And when when she told them that, they began to get her some, some help and therapy, and the entity never came back. The paranormal phenomenon stopped. Mm -hmm. So there are at least some beings that, uh, and I'm going to use this uh, specifically, their sexual pathology does not start in the nightmares or touching in the middle of the night. It starts sometimes with trauma. It could be an abuse from a father. It could be an abuse from a, a brother or anything that happened in your life. Some of these beings will step into that trauma and use it to bend your will. Mm -hmm. And the key to that is to deal with the trauma first, to close that bridge. And then the entity has to go. And it, it makes a lot of sense to me, man. I mean, like it, you know, psychologically, if, if you are experiencing a traumatic state, then, then mm -hmm. that, that traumatic event would create a, a type of, uh, hole in your aura, in your energetic mm -hmm. field. And that, that would be where this, this type of being could, could attach, connect, or even insert itself. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, like it, it's, it's a very parasitic relationship so you know it's, it's using your energy to empower itself and i think i think what they feed on the most is the the dark emotions like fear anger rage stuff like right. that yes sir and i experienced that in my youth and i'm not going to share my origin story you guys look at my other shows you can see that but um you know like when i was a kid i experienced a lot of trauma from the entity itself you know, the footsteps at nighttime, there were uh, disembodied voices talking above my head. And whenever I encounter that entity, I kind of had to create a coping mechanism around it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I mean, it was when I was in the shower, it was there. When I was in bed, it was there. It was all, it wasn't mm -hmm. omnipresent, but it was always lurking. And so what I started to tell myself was that there's no reason to fear it. It's projecting fear upon me as bait. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I bleed into that, lean into that fear then it, it takes authority over me because and i hear people say this fear is faith in the devil and i'm not <laughs> one for cliches you know but it really is do i fear it then then it has authority so 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 daniel this is very very intriguing there's so many questions that i have entering my mind so one of them is is it common would you say the night terror aspect of it is that a common pathology is it common in inside yes. of yeah every major monotheistic religion absolutely you know the exorcists record the same beings doing the same things at the same times and so you know in antiquity we had lamash too who was another being and her pathology was this we're going to get here to a point where you're going to see the modern ufo abduction phenomenon staring right back at you all right. Uh, but what she would do is after Lilith would go and, and take seed from a man and then turn into, you know, turn into another, turn into the image of a man and then inseminate a woman. She would go and she would harvest the fetus or the fetus out <laughs> of the body. <laughs> and, and one of her pathologies is she would descend down in the middle of the night. The, uh, the woman would have a dream. And in that dream, an entity would be there and the entity would stare into their eyes. They would do something with their womb, and in the morning they would wake up and their baby's gone. That's called the wow. missing fetus syndrome in modernity. Wow. Right. So uh, we're looking, okay, you know, we're not looking for names. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, what are they doing? Because I think well, that's what they're really hiding behind. It's, it's, it's absolutely intriguing. I mean, do you think, like, like I've always had the feeling that the – the power starts to shift when you find out their name. Mm -hmm. is, is this true? It is in some cases. You know, in the Hebrew uh, linguistics, the, the name for, well, the word for the name is nature. 
That's the definition of it. So that's why when you you, you have the demon's name, you have its nature. Now, what is its nature? It's its behavioral pattern. <laughs> See, I'm kind of circling back here, right? Okay, so at this point, what do we have here? And so, you know, but, but these beings, they're ancient, in my humble opinion, and they've been here for a long time, ever at least ever since death occurred. And uh, that's the goal here. It's to, to hope that the veil thins enough for us to, to start realizing what we have to do because there is a war going on. Man, I love your segues. I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> we are, I, oh, I believe we are in the middle of a spiritual war between light and dark. And, and it's, and it's very important is very important to have these types of discussions, not as a propagation of fear, but a propagation of right. knowledge and empowerment. And this should empower you. Um, but, but what I was going to ask you is, are you noticing an increase in frequencies in the last three years or so? Are you noticing an increase in the, the symptoms of like uh, this type of phenomena or, um, possession? Or are you noticing more of these demons on our plane here? Yes, yes. And, and in many ways, they do manipulate the human condition. And uh, I tell people in my lectures that in many cases, we are blinded by our own sight. Because what we're dealing with is a species that will propagandize us. Use propaganda and hide behind masks. And what I like to tell people, too, because it's the, you know, the repetition is the mother of all learning, but I don't like to repeat myself. I like to repeat <laughs> others, you know, but I tell people they're playing a, a different game because they're or I'm sorry, they're playing by different rules because they're playing a different game. And so far we have, you know, various accounts in antiquity where these beings would possess people. <laughs> and we are at war. We're at war with the species that uh, is working laws that we are seemingly ignorant of. Hmm. And it's, it's the job of researchers, experiencers alike, to, to test things on them. Does this work? No. Does this? Yes. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, that's really what we're after. Hard, you know, hard-hitting hard amulets, hard-hitting words, or anything that can, can save us from this device. You know, Nathaniel, there was, um, there was, a, there was an author that I... I adore his books were authored in like the 1920s. So they weren't like filtered down. Um, mm -hmm. Arthur E. Powell was his name. And he wrote a bunch of books on the astral body and various astral phenomena. And, and it, it was one of the key pieces of learning other than the stuff that uh, Mr. Bruce taught me, but, uh, and, and my own experiences, I used to have out of, out of body experiences all the time, every night, um, so one of the things that Arthur E. Powell talked about was that, um, these, these types of sort of, uh, you could call them like, like little mischief, mischievous spirits, they, they, what they would do is they would hang out in these areas where people were drinking alcohol and mm -hmm. he, and what he said was that they would wait until the person had their first drink which lowered their lowered their ability for to defend naturally and then and then and then by the time they had their second drink that's when they would make their primary connection their first connection and through this connection they would give the impulse drink more you want more and 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 as this person got more and more drunk they they would assert more and more control and and feed more and more darkness more dark thoughts into this this person does that sound like some of the stuff you've dealt with in the past absolutely you know there are and i i some of the, the catholic tradition i believe some of it i don't so i'm going to be using different terminologies here but you have an exterior entity that wants to be an interior entity and uh what it'll do is it'll introduce a substance it's into you into your bloodstream and then it'll send you a thought. Now, I grew up in a tradition that said the battle is in the mind. I don't think they really understood how deep that was. <laughs> and I'm going to get into this real quick because it's, it's going to blow your guys' mind. It blew my mind too. So it's going to be like a wow moment. So let me back up and say this. Long before these beings possessed people, they possessed statues. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, interesting. Yes. Interesting. And so, 
Yeah, so your necromancy in Mesopotamia, what they would do is they would uh, they would go to an artificer of metal, and this is in the book of Second Chronicles in the Hebrew text, and they would find a blacksmith essentially and say, "I want you to make an image of this entity." Mm-hmm. And so then, and this is according to the text. People could say it's anecdotal. I fully, I get it. You know, I get it. But anyway, so they would take this image of the demon home. And while they were sleeping, something would become alive in that image inside, break out of that metal, and now it's here. Oh, wow, like a summoning. Absolutely. Now watch this. This is very, very unique, but it it helps us understand their pathology. They molded the mind of that man long before that man went and told somebody to mold the entity. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. birth me, make me, mm-hmm. create an image of me so that I can be created in this dimension. Now, getting down to that, we're understanding that possession is the, the commandeering of consciousness, where that being doesn't possess a statue. Now it wants flesh and blood. And now here's what it does. It starts with a thought that's usually a self-deprecating thought. You're not good enough. Your, your dad was right to leave you, all of these thoughts. And then what it'll do is it will monitor whether or not you agree with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, when you agree with it, then it has a hook in. And so the goal here is that it starts thinking for you, so much so that when it goes from an exterior to an interior entity and wants to act, mm-hmm. now it's going to act on your behalf. And you Mm -hmm. won't know it because you think, I thought that. Mm. Now, one of the ways to provide autonomy and agency to the individual is to say to them, these are not your thoughts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's one way to diagnose it. Um, But but I'll shut up and... (laughs) Can, (laughs) can, Can one demon possess more than one person at a time? I believe so. Like a group possession? Yes, that, that may be controversial for some. Uh, especially those who are in my field, uh, yes, that more than one can be. Actually, you can have two people that are possessed by the same entity, because at this point we're dealing with consciousness, right? We're not dealing with you know localized consciousness. If it wants to branch out and possess two people at the same time, it can. Uh, matter of fact, that murder case that I that I had that I mentioned earlier, I had another case a year later. One like it was right down the street from that house, same entity, or at least it appeared to have the same pathology. Mm-hmm. You know, it, to demoralize the woman, to Zekibus, you know, it would uh, it would lay in bed at nighttime in between the husband and the wife. <laughs> you know, these are seriously sick beings. But yeah, so, so we have to pay attention to the bloody footprints of the snow. Like, this is quite literally profiling a demon here. Right. What are they doing? Why are they doing it? That's really where I'm at in my field. So, so then, okay, so we've we've discussed the problem. We're about halfway through. What is the solution? Like, what do we do? How do we com- com- combat these, 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 whatever they are, this, this phenomenon? Like, what can we, like, I mean, let's say, okay, for example, let's say that someone, someone listening is, is suffering from night terrors. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what would you recommend them to do? Like, what is, what is an example? Just, I mean, you, you take it. I had a, another anecdotal story. I had a couple that, that, was suffering that it was affecting their marriage. And uh, what I told them was, you know, I, I would like you to make a covenant in that house together. Make a covenant, say your vows again, and renounce the presence of this being, renounce it. That seems like a meaningless step, but it would surprise you how many people are like, no, I'm not doing that. And then it doesn't leave. The second thing I'd do is I would, I would wear religious amulets. Matter of fact, the, some of the women uh, that met Lamash to an antiquity, they went out on a limb here, but they, they're still hoping to figure this out like we are. But they would go out and they would take iron and they would make a fake face and then wear that second face as a necklace, hoping that when Lamash to would stare into her eyes, that would actually stare into the iron itself. And in some ritual bowls, it says it works. So I would do that and I would also, again, uh, employ iron. I don't care if it's an iron cross, just iron. Third thing is, I would, uh, if there was trauma in your life, I would seek therapy. 
You know, I mean, there's times when I just have to do a cleansing and there are, you know, there are times when this stuff is out of my hands, you know, you need, you know, psychological therapy to get through these emotions. And then once that occurs, you know, the PTSD that it caused is no longer there. And therefore the portal that it used to come here is no longer there. So those are our ways to do it. Now there are names that I am being told that when you use them, it works. Now, it's almost like a doctor when he prescribes medication. It, does it work every time? Uh, not really. Sometimes it works for this person. Sometimes it works for the other. Now, <laughs> that's a whole other show, but you know, the name of Jesus. I, I use yes. the name of Yeshua, the first century name. Okay. Uh, that's what I do. That's that's what I've that's what I've heard and <laughs> what I what I've practiced myself as well mm-hmm. is that that during these experiences when you say the name it's it's like a resonance that exists in the name Jesus Christ when you say those words it 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 greatly reduces or eliminates the the phenomena completely stops it in its tracks there so right right so 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 there's something to that there's something to that archetype right yeah and it's not them playing roles and I, so, so in, in my research, I found a lot of behavioral patterns where these beings will take on the role that we give them. This is particularly disturbing when there are people that are illiterate in terms of who Jesus was. And I don't mean that in a damning way. I'm saying they're not dumb or stupid. That's not at all. You know, they, they just don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. And so you, there was one experiencer who uh, she uh, was abducted by these beings and she called on the name Jesus and it's this is wild it pulled an image out of her mind and so it was literally like they asked her okay what do you think jesus looked like and then it was like a blonde swedish presbyterian and that's how it manifested to her hmm. which is very unique right and they, they feed into our belief systems at times mm-hmm. and so you know then it shows up okay you want jesus here i am there was one experiencer that I had worked with uh, where she was abducted, called on Jesus, and Jesus showed up, hold his hand, held his hand out and said, all seed belongs to me. Hmm. And I'm going to say this, and I won't, and I, I mean, we're, we're, all right, I know we're running out of time here, but I'm going to say this, and I don't want to scare people, but she okay. had six miscarriages. I think they're already scared, but it's okay. And... Wait, <laughs> not my intention, this is just the data. But uh, you know, okay. so we, we have to we have to look at what we're saying and why we're saying it. Uh, one thing I, I I really frown on is if it doesn't work for somebody, not going out there and crucifying them because they didn't have enough faith, uh, right? Okay. We can't mo- you know we can't monitor their faith. We don't know them yet, so that's what I'm saying. Okay, okay. So you know, I I think it's important that we recognize it as a uh, you know like. Like in here in the physical realm, there are mosquitoes, right? And they're parasitic. They draw your blood. That's what they do to survive and live. That's that's part. It's part of nature, right? And so right. in the astral realm, there are these these creatures that exist, and they are also parasitic in nature. Except they affect here in the physical realm. They affect and and in the in the way that they affect us is. Uh, it it can vary. It can vary to you know the the number of love and what 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 worries me though, Nathaniel is that you say that in the last three years or so this this it, it seems to be increasing because because uh, on a global level I think the there has been a, a global trauma that we've all experienced and and so perhaps that is a type of gateway for more of these dark things to come through but where are okay like if we exist in a in a polarity you know light and dark then where where are the light where are the angels where are those where are those people or beings it's a very it's a very good question i'm gonna throw a rock in the pond for the researchers like yourself out there and see if you guys see what you guys think about it Uh, but i do believe that a lot of these beings are performing high magic rituals when, when Jack Parsons was uh, moderating our rocket program in history, mm-hmm. you know, he was contacting these beings. He was contacting them using bastardized Kabbalistic rituals. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the, the, the shortest horror story ever written was that the last man on earth 
was alone in his house and there came a knock at the door. Now, according to these texts, if Jack Parsons and Crowley employed these, they should not have worked. The basis of Kabbalistic, especially magic, is the, you know, the humility of the man and the absolute fear of the Lord. But they had neither. And yet when they when they branched out into that darkness, something was there that responded to it. Mm -hmm. Now, when we're getting into high magic, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 13, there is a phenomenon that refers to some of these beings. Yahweh Elohim mentions people. They were, they were embodied, but they were performing some of these same rituals. And essentially, he says, I have alt with you. Those who hunt the souls of men to make them fly. Now, I know we're in the last chapter of the show, but I want to dig in really deep for everybody because this is the highlight of my work. Okay, no problem. Yeah, I love that. Number one, we are dealing with a species that can induce people into a deep sleep and pull their souls out of their body. It's happened through abduction literature. It's happened in demonological literature. Whatever we're dealing has a, just an incredible knowledge about the soul, the afterlife, and how long a soul can be out of body before the body itself dies. Now, what we're dealing with again, I, I had a, a remote viewer, actually a son of a remote viewer that called me one time, and he's like, you know, he goes, my father was a famous remote viewer. He would leave his body, and he would meet his guides. His guides would give him messages, and then when he would be back in his body, he would call up the local politicians and local celebrities, and they would pay him thousands of dollars for a reading. He said it was nothing. He said it was nothing for my dad to do that. He said, matter of fact, it wasn't it wasn't anything for my dad to go into a trance while I'm playing video games, turn all the lights off in the house, and tell me there's a being here that wants to talk to you. Now, these were not his guides. They were far more manipulative. Mm -hmm. He said that one night he loved video games. He said, I'm playing video games, and my father basically stumbles down the stairs. He's pale. He can't talk. He can barely breathe. And he said, my dad had, had a massive heart attack. He said, when we got him to the hospital, we're taking his shirt off to put his robe on. And subdermally, religious amulets came from underneath the skin to the surface. What? One of them was a cross. The other one was the Star of David. And this is the scary part. Another, The last one was an overarching overarching hieroglyphic from Egypt. This came out of his skin. His skin, through the skin to the surface. Now, I'm telling you guys, and I'm getting passionate, but we are at war with something. See, here's the problem with demonology. Let me harp on my own field. We're so broken. We're so uh, divided. You know, the Catholic yeah. won't use the Star of David, but these beings did. And they used a cross against this individual. Hmm. So the way they're using amulets is different than we are. They're using them in, in like terms of multiplication. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, this, this, this soul-to-skin phenomenon is the same behavioral pattern we see in these soul hunters in the UFO abduction field. Mm -hmm. One night, one night, Betty Luca was sleeping peacefully. Bob Luca, her husband, hears a rustling in the bed. He opens his eyes. When his eyes adjust it, he sees his wife's apparition being pulled out of her body. Mm -hmm. Soul hunters. This, I believe, 100%. This is why the ancient text said they're not just after bodies, they're after souls. <sighs> mm -hmm. Now, when she got back into her body, Betty Luca, then the scoop marks manifested subdermally through the skin to the surface. Mm -hmm. This is a case study of behavioral patterns. They're doing the same thing as the same beings. Our job is to figure out why they're doing it. <laughs> huh. Well, that's that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, okay, so, right. what are they doing? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm very curious to know your answer to this question. Do you think Ooh. that the the alien UFO encounter is a different type of demon or something extraterrestrial? Well, I would include them as being demonic in nature. I mean, you asked a profound question earlier in the show, like, what was a demon? What was a demon? But what, you know, what, what's, makes, what's the difference between a demon and an angel? To many people in antiquity, 
you're a demon because you gave me bad news. You're an angel <laughs> if you gave me good news. That's how shallow a lot of them were. True. So they really didn't classify them. But these beings have manifested to people as angels. There's a famous experiencer right now that believes Mother Mary uh, uh, you know, uh, manifested to him. Now, let me, let me show somebody a little bit of what's going on behind the veil. I say that with all humility. Okay. These beings are now teaching doctrine. And for all of those who despise religious fundamentalists, I despise many of them too. I grew up in that religion. I get it. But I think we need to start hypothesizing why they're teaching us as a species doctrines. Mm. Because there's one man, Paul, Shaul, who said, if another Jesus comes to you, then the one you've already received, run. And what he was dealing with is not just an entity that manifests. It's not just an entity that peels the soul out of the body. But he was also pointing out the fact that many of them will come to teach you doctrines. And if they're teaching doctrines, according to him, then we're dealing with the end times. I'm going I'm to end this little rant with this. Recently, I got a hold of a book by Abramlin the Mage. And if you don't know who he was, he was a Kabbalistic uh, magician. So, you know, he feared God. He didn't use his works against anyone. He used it for them. Uh, but anyways, he had encountered an individual who also had religious markings on their chest. Mm-hmm. It's the only person I've read that from. Mm-hmm. And he encountered them. Again, it was, the, it was the, some of the same amulets, but the kicker of it was that he encountered a being that carved hieroglyphics into someone. And when he witnessed that, he shrieked and he called that angel magic, which <laughs> would make perfect sense. And it kind of, kind of opens a lot of doors for us as researchers. And I, I think I think there is a, a huge amount of research. I don't I don't think we're anywhere close to an answer of what's going on. Um, right. I think I think we're getting closer. I think I think talking about it is is definitely a first step. I, I don't feel like we're organized enough to even approach um, a data set that that can lead us to what these things actually are. Correct. Correct. And so far, we're leaning on descriptions you know, personifications of the phenomenon or the face of the phenomenon. I will suggest that there is something hiding in the corner that's neither alien or what we would consider to be a fallen angel. The term fallen angel is never even in the Hebrew texts. It came afterwards. So, you know, what are we dealing with? We don't know, but we do know that what they're doing is the same thing. And I I would suggest that we're dealing with what I call the unified field theory. Mm -hmm. They're the same beings wearing different masks to manipulate us. There was um there was a time when I was in this is a long time ago, man. It's a couple decades ago I used to run an an OBE chat on uh IRC. If anyone out there remembers Fnet, uh we were on there, pound OBE. And uh and I thought I was a badass, man. I, I thought I was the man. And cause, cause I, I felt like I had mastered the 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 process of going out of body and and I'll always remember this day, this kid came into our chat room and he said, hey, this demon comes to me every night, drags me out of my body, takes me to a different world. In this other world, they, the scientists there, they find uh, like a chest they open the chest, even though they're warned not to open the chest, and the chest uh, emits this black smoke that that they don't know why it continues to emit the black smoke, black smoke, black smoke until it covers the whole planet. And this kid, he said, he said, it makes me watch this every night. Comes to me and it drags me out. Every single night happens. And I and I told him, I said, you know what, man. All right, I'm going to I'm going to project out. I'll be waiting. Mm-hmm. When it comes, let's see if we can fight it. And mm-hmm. and Nathaniel <laughs> I was I was I was batting out of my league, my friend. Like I was uh, I lost in in the worst way that you could lose, I lost. And it was yeah. like this horned minotaur 
like hoofed like like demon it was strong mm-hmm. much much stronger than me and mm-hmm. i was i i went back into my body and when when i did i thought oh my god what if it follows me here and it did it did wow. i could feel it in the room and just as i thought oh my god i've just made the biggest mistake i, I could ever possibly make this mm-hmm. this little white ball of light little white ball of light entered the room and it just erased the demon completely it's just gone like the the moment that i thought oh my god this is i'm in big big trouble it was just Mm -hmm. gone it just ended um it never i never saw it again that's profound my friend that's profound thank you for sharing that it's you know, I, when I was a kid, I had a similar experience. You know, the entity I was dealing with was, um, at first it manifested as a little girl. Manifested as a little girl, and then it turned to a shadow person later on as it evolved. And uh, one night, just like you, I thought, man, I'm done. You know, it was following me to friends' houses. It was meeting me in my dreams. The same nightmare occurred. And finally, I just called on God. I said, God, I don't know what this is or why it wants me but I'm asking for divine intervention and something else walked into that room, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that entity left. And to this day, even having murder cases, it was the most powerful, most powerful being I've met. Hmm. Thankfully, thankfully. <laughs> so Nathaniel, I, I really think, I, I do think that these, these beings, um, they have to respect a certain law of, of free will and, and they they do gain our tacit um, acceptance of of they they trick us into letting us in letting themselves in further, but they also obey a higher order of light. And and when that when that is um, respected and when it when it is used, they they have to they have to obey that. Right, right, and they'll recognize people too. You know what I mean? If you're if you're known to be a wounded healer and turning your wounds into wisdom, they'll notice that. You'll be on their radar. And they'll 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 do something to stop you. You know, the entity that I faced as a young boy was suicide. And I, you know, and that's the easiest demon to spot in my career. I, I you know, I've had people call me in the middle of the night. I didn't feel a lick of God. Nothing. Nothing. So the very end of the phone call when I'm saying, Well, you know what, I'll call you tomorrow, and then I feel something brush by me, suicide. And then the person is delivered. So, you know, you just discernment. But uh, oh, I'm going to thank you guys for having me on, man. You know, I've looked at all your your. You've got you guys have some cannons as guests, and you got little old Nate on. So I really appreciate it. Oh no, Nathaniel, it's it's, it's my honor, our honor for to just to scratch the surface of this topic. And I know that you are very very sick, and I really truly appreciate your time very 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 much, man. Thank you so much. I hope yeah. you heal up. And um, guys, anyone that's listening, there is uh, there is hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, um, we're not we're not we're not completely lost, but this is a spiritual war, and and I think it's important it's important to know that. This it I don't think it helps us to be in ignorance of the war itself. And with that, guys, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and we're gonna get cancel. We're gonna go ahead and and end the show here, guys. I I apologize. I know we were supposed to go for a little bit longer, um, but I can say there's there's a very very big guest that I have locked in. He just did a Netflix series. Won't say his name, but I, I'm sure you can guess who it is. But I want to thank you guys, everyone. Thank you so much for for listening and tuning in. And we're going to get out of here. Don't lose hope, my friends. listening to my voice right now.
Father's assistance.